You're listening to the Highbridge Podcast, celebrating the people, places, and history of the Highbridge area in Sedgemoor. And a very warm welcome to the Highbridge Podcast, celebrating the history, people, and places in the Highbridge, Sedgemoor area of Somerset. This season is funded by SEED, which is a consortium of community organisations in Sedgemoor, comprising of Bridgewater Senior Citizens Forum, Bridgewater Town Council, Community Council for Somerset Homes in Sedgemoor, Somerset Film and Young Somerset, which is funded and supported by Arts Council England, Creative People in Places, Lottery Funding and the Arts Council. The main aim of the project is to focus on the people, places and activities in and around Highbridge. It's important to remember that history is not just about recording the past, but also recording what is happening now, as we create history for future generations. If you enjoy what you hear, do tell your friends, and ask them to subscribe to hear future editions for free. Sometimes, when you're browsing around the bookshelves within the local libraries, or in second-hand bookshops, you come across a real nugget, something that Perhaps not everybody has spotted. I came across a book called Highbridge, a Somerset market town and its people. And I managed to track down one of the three people that was instrumental in putting the book together. And it was published back in 2004. So I wanted to get the backstory and find out more. So I was kindly invited by Faye Burston to pop round to her kitchen where she made me a cup of tea and we had a chat about the book. How did the project all come about? Well initially I had recently retired and volunteered for an awful lot of things. Anything going I wanted to join in and uh, in probably in about 1999 it was this project that came into they were introduced the Adult Residential Colleges Association was trying to encourage people of older gen- older age to get involved in things, to keep their lives active, have an interest in life. Initially, when I joined in 1999, I think it was in the summer, initially I joined the walking group and the cycling group. And they'd made inquiries about all the different activities that people had volunteered. And there was interest shown in the local history. So initially, I think it was probably in the Christmas of 2000, I met Ken, my second husband, and I'd carried on going to these meetings, and it was in about the April. I said to my husband, Ken, there's not really very much happening. It's a waste of time going to that. I don't think I'll go anymore. This is going to be the last visit, and I know it was in April meeting was in Highbridge Community Hall and when I went there there was this new man that arrived and he was an experimental archaeologist from Glastonbury. Very big man with a beard and when they had these ancient demonstrations he always dressed up with his robe, with his beard, he really acted the part and he was so full of information I immediately got really hooked on the project and um, carried on for a couple more meetings and Ken, my husband, 
got a bit interested. So we both belong to this and um, we're getting a lot of information from lots of local people. We decided we were going to do this show in the community hall in Highbridge. Different people from this group finding different things out. We were getting more and more information. And the first meeting we had in the community hall, I think we, it wasn't that busy. It was busy during the day, but we probably had about 250 people come in, which is quite a, quite a fair amount. Mm. But then we decided we'd do a second exhibition because it was the end of the two years when the adult programme had finished. Mm. It was the final project, so we thought. And that um, really, I suppose, final demonstration we were doing and we worked together. We've been in contact with um, the railway people. We got in touch with them and they said they wanted to do a film show in the evening. So the whole thing lasted all day long from about 10 o'clock in the morning till about 9 o'clock at night. And I think there were an awful lot of people. It was hundreds. It went on all day. People were coming in, going away and coming back again. And it, I think in the end there were about getting on for 800 people went. And we've heard since, I don't know about now, but a few years ago, it was the biggest demonstration they'd ever had in the community hall. You know, the volume of people that visited. Mm. When that finished, quite obviously the people that been in some time, we were talking, we've got all this information, should we think about writing it down, writing a book? So uh, I think initially there were probably about a dozen people. We came to the conclusion that we would have an A4 book, 200 pages and 200 pictures. Photographs, old people's photographs, but none that had been previously printed in any other books. Initially we had an awful job to get photographs oh you don't want that one you know I haven't got any photographs oh I threw them away years ago and um, oh nobody will ever read about you will never find enough information well we knew we'd got the information so initially after two years of working how we worked it was different people did different projects somebody would do the brickyards Somebody would do the railway, somebody would do um, the timber works that were in Highbridge, all this type of thing, mm -hmm. and do the research on what they could find out. Schools was another one. There was a lady called Paul. She did, she was, she'd been a primary school teacher, so she wanted to do the schools. Majors was a, had been a big firm in Highbridge, and there were two brothers, Jack and Rex Major, that were also part of the project. So, of course, they did all the railway transport, the, the road transport and all mm -hmm. the rest of it, you see, because they'd already got the background. And Ken, my husband, should I say, he was doing the editing everything that we did. I was going around finding out the donkey work. I did the donkey work, he did the... The, yeah, he edited everything that came through. And uh, the lady was secretary. She'd originally come from Tiverton, and she knew a printer's in Tiverton. So the idea was, how do we raise the money to pay for the printing? 
And in the end, at the back of the book, we said to anybody that paid for their book in advance, which was going to be £10, that had already been decided, we put their name in the back of the book. And I think the first issue was 850 books. And um, they went in no time. And I know we had another order of 500, but I'm not sure how many we did sell in the end. But uh, And the final decision we had made with the book that any profit would go back into Highbridge to keep it in the community because it was the community's book about the community and the, any profit should benefit the town, mm-hmm. you know, which we thought was fair enough and people seemed to like that idea as well. Distribution of funds... Secret World, Highbridge Medical Centre, Sidney Cox, he was a man that was doing um, something for disabled people, Highbridge Festival of Arts, St John's Ambulance, the local football club, Girl Guides, they all, they all received money. We were quite pleased with the end result. So, so with the book, is it is it still in print? Can people no, still get hold of no, copies? No, no. We we had two extra prints, and then we thought, well, nobody will want it anymore. But I mean, I've still got two copies: one with a few pages missing, another copy. And I know they do go around. We we gave um, one to each local library, um, things like that. But I don't suppose they're in the libraries now because we're talking. 20 odd years ago, so... No, well, hopefully, hopefully there'll be a copy in the local uh, Somerset archives. Oh yes, there is it. There is in the archives. And all the basic paperwork, etc., was distributed um, into Somerset Records Office. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Future historians, that's that's what they need. It's yes. like the, the story behind the yes. story. Yes. R- roughly, how many people were actually involved by, by putting the book together? On average, there was probably about 12 or people, 14 people, average, I would say. Also, through this, through this um, Residential Colleges Association, initially we went to Dillington House, which is the Somerset County Council's main house for education, which is near Barrington Court. We did various courses there. Sometimes it was just a day. We used to stay there for the weekend, which was beautiful. I mean, it was lovely. it's a lovely old-fashioned house, beautiful. We did a crash course in Latin so we could read old stuff. It was really, really good. And we didn't know at the time, Adult Residential Colleges Association, they'd done 300 of these projects all over the country. In the end of the two years, they picked 16 that were to be exhibited. And we went to the um, Tower Bridge Hotel in London and did this um, display in the Tabridge Hotel. So we were very lucky to be, you know, I mean, 16 out of 300 is quite a lot, isn't it? They were obviously impressed with what you'd actually gathered and what you'd put together by the end. And also, let's face it, Somerset's got a marvellous history. It is, I have to agree. Yeah, because I used to, you know, go to, if I belonged to the library and all the local books I used to read, and I'm still reading them now because mm-hmm. there's still new ones crop up, you know, and some of the information you find is absolutely fantastic. I mean, I remember reading somewhere or other, but I never took note of it at the time, 
that the river Brew, right back in something like 800 and something, they'd already put their first defences up in the river Brew. But, I mean, I couldn't tell anybody that to write it down because I got no proof because I read it somewhere and mm -hmm. whoever wrote the book isn't around to confirm it now anyway. <laughs> There's, a, there's a, a lot of information that, as you say, gets written down in books, and but they never tell you where they got the information from. Yeah, I mean, I can remember reading a book on the Bristol Channel, and they reckon there were 300 wrecks in the Bristol Channel, you know, along the Seven. Have you ever been to Alla Church? First time I went with Ken, there happened to be old American lady in there and she'd only lived here for about a year and she'd been fascinated and she was kind of conducting anybody that went in she was telling you the history and the bit that she told us that not many people do here is apparently in the Civil War the soldiers were in the church and they took the font and it disappeared so the church had to have a new one and not very long previously to when we went, which was probably in about 2010, they'd cleared the village pond out and they found the original font and it was then back in the church. Wow. And since then, I've been to the church and they've got the two fonts there. How many years have you actually lived in and around like sort of Highbridge and Burnham area? I moved from Bedfordshire in 1968. What memories have you got when you came to Somerset? What, what was Highbridge like? Oh, it's wonderful. Lots of Somerset accent. It's 1968, but it was lots of proper accent. And one of the things I can remember, and we bought a house in West Huntsville, and within no time at all, we were receiving an electric light bulb from the electrician's shop in Highbridge. Then we received a, a duster from the ironmongers all these little things that the traders were introducing themselves to the new people because there were very few and far between in those days, mm -hmm. you know. And I couldn't get used to all the people talking on the buses because, I mean, I'd lived in London where nobody speaks, Luton was much the same. And I can remember my husband coming back and he says, I went to so-and-so and he says, I know all about Mrs Brown's bunion or something silly <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> It's a very, very friendly neighbourhood around here, exceptionally so. But I think it's caught from the Somerset people. So was the, was the industry still going quite quite significantly when, when you moved into the late 60s? Uh, no, it, it was on its decline. Um, there were still a lot more shops than there are now, um, but it was on its decline. I mean, we didn't realise that at the time. Hmm. But Bland's Timber Yard was still there and still very, very busy. Um, I mean, Highbury Station at one time had seven platforms. Um, all that had gone. But the Brunel station was still there because mm -hmm. it was a Brunel's station because it had been the Great Western Railway. And uh, did you know that that disappeared overnight? The station buildings. I can vaguely remember it because it never caught many trains, but there was a ladies' waiting room mm -hmm. with a coal fire. There was a gents waiting room, there was toilets, ladies and gents, a typical Brunel type station. And one Saturday night, a certain gentleman was employed by who we don't know, obviously something to do with planning permission, the whole station disappeared. 
was just knocked down. That's a... Nobody knew, none of the local people knew about it. Never did find out who. It must have been after 1985. After that, you can probably find that out somewhere along the line. Mm. What are some of your fond memories of, of the area? Probably the local shops, because they were very friendly. I mean, it's still friendly, but I feel very sorry because I belong to Hybrid U3A and a lot of the local people still belong. Well, they're very upset because Highbridge originally was where the industry was and if people did well in Highbridge, they moved to Burnham mm -hmm. because that was a residential area and they were, by then the retired people were coming down. But basically, if people in Burnham wanted to work, they had to come to Highbridge because that's where the work was, you know. So it was the two contrasts in industrial area and... but. The local people in Highbridge, I mean, some of them have, you know, been here a long time. And, I mean, I know quite a few, you know, and they're really upset. And you, you mentioned the U3A. Mm. Um, did you have a big involvement with the U3A, or have you just always been a member? And I joined Burnham U3A, which was already going, and I've been with it probably about four years, three, four years. And uh, Ken Hindle, who ran that, asked another lady and I, who both lived in Highbridge at the time, would we start one in Highbridge? And that was in the... Must have, he probably asked us in about the October 1999. And then in the November, um, we hired St John's Church, their hall, and Ken came and... Um, He'd advertised it in the paper, and we got, uh, I think it was eight people came. Within about three or four months, we'd got about 40 people. I can't remember the exact figures. And it just grew from there, you know. So t did a lot of the people from the U3A also get involved with this project? Quite a few of them did, yes. So yeah. what what is it to you that, that the U3A is, is so good at doing? The main thing is... It keeps people occupied. They've got any interest. You see, everything's voluntary. If somebody speaks Spanish and they're prepared to teach other people, they teach them Spanish. Sometimes if there's a large group, you'll hire a home, but if there's only three or four people interested, you could do it from your own home. Mm -hmm. And you haven't got the rents to pay. I mean, if it's in somebody's house, you probably give them perhaps 50 pence or a pound for a cup of coffee. It gives you the chance to meet lots of people. I mean, this morning I've been into U3A and there was a new man. Now he said he goes to the men's shed thing, but he wanted more activity because hmm. he didn't want to sit at home and vegetate. You can always learn something when you go to these different places. It's sharing information. Yeah, it's sharing information. Well, I have to say, I, I, you, you loaned me a copy of the book, and it was a, it was fascinating to read through it. And the, the amount of information that you did generate was was stunning, because like it's just people wanting to gather information and put together a book. Yeah, so, yeah. I just hope that um, I shall certainly make sure that anyone that shows interest in Highbridge, that I point them towards this, because there are copies around, mm -hmm. and and it's worth well worth a read. Yeah. And do you know how many photographs we had in the end? On. After struggling to get 200, we had 532 photographs. <laughs> and with the, one of the men, Jack Foster, 
and Ken, my husband, they were sitting up here and they were bringing the photograph and I was down on the floor there with all the Maslam books and all the local books already. Yes, you can use this one, it's not in any of these books. <laughs> and we, it took all day <laughs> to decide the ones that went in the book, you see, because we didn't want to encroach on anybody's copyright. copyright. Yeah. And also, let's face it, if you've already seen the photograph, you look through and you think, oh, I've seen that before, I've seen that before. And Thank you very much for your time, Faye. It's been um, fascinating to hear some of the backstory of the story of the book. So thank yeah. you. That's quite all right. Thanks very much for there to Faye. And if you do want to find a copy of the book, there are copies around on the internet and you can also find it in some of the local libraries. It's called Highbridge, a Somerset market town and its people. And it's full of facts and bits of information all to do with Highbridge in Somerset. The Highbridge podcast, available on many popular podcast directories, distributed as the Highbridge podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Google, Amazon Music and TuneIn.com. It can also be found at SedgemoreMedia.com and is hosted and found at hybridpodcast.transistor.fm. Also available on your smart speakers. Just say the wait word to the speaker and say clearly, play the Highbridge Podcast. <laughs>